Hello, hello. I'm Andrew Van, and this is the Media Diary Podcast, where I go over the music, TV shows, movies, what have you, that recently caught my attention and I wanted to share my opinions on. Today, I'm going to be going through the 20 songs I enjoyed most that were released in 2021, and talk a little bit about why these particular tracks endeared themselves to me. As always, I try to keep these year-end lists limited to one song per artist, though that might be skewed year-to-year due to features, and yeah, let's just dive right into it with number 20, Dead Flowers by Health and Poppy. Poppy stayed busy throughout 2021 with a series of releases that commit down fully to the metal and industrial-inspired aesthetic that she'd been exploring over the last couple of years. And while none of it really impressed me as much as the big singles off of her 2020 album I Disagree, this collaboration track with the industrial band Health did stand out amongst the crop for how hazy and bleak it sounds by comparison. Nowhere on this cut is she really toying with the aesthetics of kawaii metal, and maybe it's just from the name, but this track reminds me a lot of Dead Souls, the Nine Inch Nails deep cut from the Crow soundtrack. Over the last couple of years, Health has apparently been doing a string of collaboration tunes, of which this is one of many, and I think this collaboration served both parties well. Health benefits from having a distinct vocal guest, and Poppy gets to be on a track that I don't think would be marketable to her usual audience. Next up at number 19 is The Beachland Ballroom by Idols. I'm not praying, baby. I'm not begging, darling. I'm not praying, baby. I'm not begging, darling. This is the fifth year-end list that I've done, and the fifth year-end list to feature a track by English punk band Idols, which speaks to their work ethic. And on the Beachland Ballroom, we get to see Idols' softer side in a way that we really haven't in a sustained way. And at first I was a bit taken aback, because it sounds like a pastiche of some other type of music. But as it goes on, this track explodes in slow motion. Till by the end, the band are playing pretty much the same riffs, but in a much more full and cathartic way. And Joe is screaming by the end of this, just wailing. And so the band managed to maintain this tongue-in-cheek feel that they always have, as well as their intensity, while dipping their toes into this more quiet and spacious style of music. And at number 18, we have The Final Parade by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, featuring just about fucking everybody. We play
But no, really, this is a ska posse cut. You got members of Rancid, Fishbone, The Suicide Machines, Goldfinger, The Motherfucking Aquabats, Less Than Jake, The Interrupters, The Specials, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, and so, so many more. But it's not just the sheer number of contributing artists that make this song cool. It's that it's a seven-minute epic about the ska scene why it rules and why it won't go quietly and i'm sad that they didn't get any contributions from the younger artists who are moving the ska scene forward right now like kill lincoln cat bite we are the union are you allowed to make a ska song this good without first contacting jer Next up at number 17, we have Limbo by Royal Blood. Since the release of their debut album, I have not had a particularly high opinion of Royal Blood, but their third album, Typhoons, seems to be a much-needed stylistic reset that kinda feels like if Jack White's solo material met Daft Punk. It still reeks of late 2000s strokes warship, but at least the grooves are fun now and the hooks are memorable. I don't know, I felt like Limbo had a playful quality to it that their previous music did not. And I'm actually impressed that they were able to marry this smooth disco-infused groove with some of the jagged garage rock influences of their older stuff. The whole track propels along on some awesome bass grooves, and I love the layered vocals in the chorus. And next up at number 16 is Blackout by Turnstile. For as long as I've been doing this podcast, there has been at least one big pop-punk revival project that has caught my ear, and this year it was Turnstile's Glow On. And while this is the first pop-punk track on this list, it will not be the last. This was a very good year for pop-punk revival, and like emo revival in general. But getting back to what makes Blackout so special is a lot of the production tricks that keep this song sounding interesting furious and distinct. Usually pop punk is a pretty meat and potatoes affair, with not much going on besides the guitars, bass, drums, and vocals. But Blackout has a lot of little 
tricks and auxiliary bits that keep things interesting. First thing I notice when I put this on is that the song starts with programmed percussion. With live drums kind of coming and going with the more intense portions of the track. And these programmed drums do not sound like real drums. They are intentionally kind of weird and cartoony at points. Also, there's this cowbell breakdown at one point. Absolutely mad shit going on in the rhythm sections on this song. But the vocals and guitars also have a lot of production done to them. Various reverbs and echoes. And everything is chopped in a way that makes it feel cold and exact. Like it's trapped by the digital constraints of of Pro Tools or whatever they recorded this on. And yet, because the songwriting is just so good, it still manages to feel very alive. It's an easy comparison to make here because of the connections between post-hardcore, pop-punk, and emo, but I do get a heavy, refused, new noise vibe with everything they're doing here. They're kind of the pioneering band in incorporating electronic elements into ridiculously heavy, progressive punk music. There are certainly worse things to be compared to. And with that, we are on to number 15, which is Brando by Lucy Dacus. All I need for you to admit Is that you never knew me like you thought you did You never knew me like you thought you did Like you thought you did The most underrated member of Boy Genius comes through with a song that is vivid and damning in its lyrical content, which recounts the highs and lows of a past relationship with a lot of tiny poetic details, many of which have the same impact as getting stabbed. And it's all set to this unassuming, low-key instrumentation. It's all very breezy and wistful. I get a lot of secondhand nostalgia from the sonic landscape of this track. It's like the music musical equivalent of winning an argument effortlessly against the memory of somebody that you stopped talking to ten years ago, coming off so much more eloquent and composed than you ever would be in reality. And at number 14, we have Rap Star by Polo G. Caught the BMW, new deposit, I picked up another bag. Like, fuck it, I'm a count while I'm in it. I have planes flying, crowds screaming, money counting, chains clanking shit. I guess that's how it sound when you win it. I ain't joking, do it sound like I'm kidding. I've been making like 2,000 a minute. So high up through the clouds, I was swimming. So one of the biggest trends in hip-hop over the last half a decade or so has been a trend towards simplicity. At its best, this has allowed for more of an exploration of pop structures and punk attitude within the genre, and at worst has resulted in some cringy mumble rap stereotypes. And usually when I'm talking about this sort of music, it's usually to highlight the work of an artist pursuing the punk route of this sound. 
you know, Denzel Curry, Trippy Red, and I guess to some extent Slow Tie would be some examples of this. But Polo G's rap star might be one of the best examples of how to take things in the pop direction. This track is centered around a ukulele sample that follows the quote-unquote four chords of pop music, a really common chord progression that is used in like tons and tons of radio hits. And from there, Polo G just raps a lot of dejected lines about how lonely and isolating fame is. Now, obviously, in a post-Drake world, this sort of subject matter is not anything new or terribly exciting, but I think Polo G leaves enough details in the simple lyrics that make it feel shockingly sincere, particularly in the moments where he's providing contrast between what he wants to do and what he is doing, and or why. Even the part of the chorus where he's talking about buying new BMWs is contrasted with the toxic reasons that he's doing this, and the financial impact of this action. As somebody who grew up under the bling era of the 2000s, where excess was everything in hip-hop, I like this perspective on things. Also, this track reminds me of a really old Kid Cudi song called The Prayer, but like with way better lyrics. And I actually looked it up, they both use the four chords of pop, just starting at different points in the chord cycle. Anyway, at number 13, we have Atlantic by The Weather Station. This track is delicate, artsy, and contemplative in a way that not everybody is going to get down with, but the arrangement and mixing on this thing makes me want to go and try and write some big fucking piece with a million different instruments on it, and the bass on this track, like, fuck. <laughs> you do not have to be a super technical, complex bass player laying down some Victor Wooten smack here to be really impressive. There's just... Uh... Something about the bass lines on this song, and the whole album Ignorance that the Weather Station put out, where I'm just hype off of like a couple of notes from the bass. And this is the kind of music where I would assume the bass lines are a bit of an afterthought or sunk way, way in the background. But here they nimbly dodge between all the other instruments and have a nice presence to them. The whole tune is gorgeously put together, and I highly recommend you check it out if you need something melancholic to get you through these historic times. And next up at number 12, we have Brutal by Olivia Rodrigo. I feel like no one wants me, and I hate the way I'm perceived. I only have two real friends, and lately I'm a nervous wreck, because I love people I don't like, and I hate every song I write, and I'm not cool, and I'm not smart, and I can't even parallel park. This 
this was the track where I realized Olivia Rodrigo had something to say. Other songs off of Sour were bigger hits with its target demographic, but as an old head, I really liked how dry and sardonic Brutal was as an opening statement for this project. Being a teenager fucking sucks shit. You couldn't pay me to be young again. Nobody should have nostalgia for high school. And Olivia Rodrigo serves up all the exasperation of living through that moment on this track. And at number 11, we have John 50 by Black Midi. This is a scene on Main Street when John 50 comes to town. Yes, this is a scene on Main Street when John 50 comes to town. Crowds of every age, creed, and gender are abound. Senior Kitsch sings kiss, detaining each attendee's sins. The first time anteaters this was certainly one of the freakiest songs I listened to this year. Odd time signatures, fuzzed out guitars, spoken word passages, and jagged strings all collide to make this incredibly uncomfortable song. Adding to the uneasiness is the cryptic lyrical content, which seems to describe the arrival of some sort of messiah figure, cult leader charlatan, and the whole thing's delivered in a way that feels almost like being proselytized to. The song also stops dead in its tracks multiple times, only to come back more overwhelming and confusing than before. This was one of the few songs in recent years that I felt like I had to readjust my ear to really appreciate, because it sounds like little else I have ever heard. And at number 10, we have Out of Style by Limp Biscuit. When's it gonna change? Hurts me in a loving kind of way. I'ma celebrate. Yeah. It's time to rock a small fucker, cause I'm always out of style. Never change my style, cause my style is kind of fresh. You bitches asking for a sound check, check one, two, bitch. You barely touched the ground, yeah. Choked up on your bounce game, coming down the mountain. Copy, got you lucky that I let you hang around. The most contemptible band in new metal returned at long last for an album nobody was asking for, and yet it contained several career highlights, including the opening track, Out of Style, which perfectly encapsulates everything there is to like about Limp Bizkit. I love every part of this unironically, from the farty dubstep-inspired guitars to Fred Durst's opening sermon. This is Pete biscuit in 2021 positively preposterous and at number nine we have leave the door open by silk sonic The cat sat on the mat. 
Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars go together better than peanut butter and jelly. I actually remember the first time I ever heard Anderson Pack back in like 2015. My thought was that he was doing what I wished Bruno Mars was doing as far as the music scene went. The man is consistently a team player, understands the assignment, great collab, and Bruno has really found his niche as this throwback artist, trying to be James Brown for the 21st century. Leave the Door Open is silky smooth and playful in a way that is almost dorky and self-aware at times. Despite being precisely crap, to fuck to. It's funny? In these moments of call and response, it feels like the background vocals are just a little, little tongue-in-cheek, and it keeps the whole thing from becoming overwhelmingly corny. But yeah, love that these two singers were able to get together and deliver something as masterfully crafted as this song, and I really hope they do another album together and maybe get Andre 3000 out of retirement to join in on the fun. Anderson's got him on the record before, and that's a rare enough treat all on its own. Anyway, at number eight, we have Circle With Me by Spirit Box. This, in my mind, is the quintessential Spirit Box song. Singer Courtney LaPlante balances brutal vocal blasts with smooth cleans, showing off her versatility as a vocalist. Meanwhile, the band transitions between textural ambience and thunderous gent rather seamlessly, and typically the band choose one of these aesthetics and build a song around it, rather than melding things together like in the case of Circle With Me. And so you get the best of both worlds, these very calming, melodic, contemplative verses that remind me of the Japanese singer Utada, as well as a perfect circle. But the whole track is bookended by these monstrous, heavy sections that remind you what the band are capable of. And at number seven, we have Heart Attack Man with their song Pitch Black. As stated earlier, 2021 was out to bury me in top-notch pop-punk emo revival shit. Pitch Black in particular was one of those tracks where the moment I heard it, I was hooked. It starts off with some good old acoustic playing that reminds me of modern baseball's track Pothole. 
before the rest of the band comes in and changes the track into a high-energy banger with excellent gang vocal layering. And the track keeps up that intensity and momentum throughout. Rare is it to see a song that's second verse doesn't drop off from the energy of the chorus. Lyrically, the song covers cycles of self-destruction, hatred for your hometown, and the desire to escape the hopelessness of both. Pretty bread-and-butter Midwest emo shit, but executed at the highest level. And at number six, we have Giving Blood by Architects. Sometimes I just need a bombastic, overproduced rock or metal track to get me unreasonably hyped up. I grew up listening to a lot of new metal and post-hardcore, and Architects makes my brain go whir in a pretty similar way. Give me the fucking dopamine rush already! I appreciate the way that Giving Blood moves through so many ideas while still feeling approachable in its structure. The slower melodic bits help the harder portions go down easier and vice versa. It's big, anthemic, and kind of overblown in the way that a lot of fun rock music tends to be. And number five, we have I Wanna Kill You by Citizen. Alright, here we are. This is my favorite emo slash pop punk track of the year. Granted, Citizen are feeling a lot closer to radio rock these days, but that's neither here nor there. There's an interesting mix of things going on with this one. You get the cracked vocal yelps and basic four-on-the-floor drums that you'd expect out of a punk tune, but with a chorus that's got kind of a disco beat going on, and sometimes the production makes the singer's voice sound like it's a bit higher pitched and chorus, but through all of these different elements, the track remains a relentless drive forward. I think my favorite part of this entire song is the moment where they name drop the title. Their singer just croons that shit. It's the most mellow part of the entire song, and he's talking about wanting war and nothing else. The music video is also pretty funny, too. It involves stumbling upon radical teens working out in the forest at night. <laughs> anyway, at number four, we have Good Ones by Charlie XCX. So 
So Charlie XCX has spent the better part of the 2010s attaching herself to some of the most forward-thinking minds in electronic dance music. But Good Ones feels like a calculated grab for mainstream attention. This is easily the most digestible pop track that she's done in a very long time. The synth-heavy beat on the instrumental falls somewhere in between the Eurythmics Sweet Dreams and New Orders and Blue Monday. While lyrically, Charlie is talking about her tendency to fall for bad boys and give any decent human being that she's involved with the boot. It's super catchy, and even though I loathe 80s nostalgia, I couldn't help but get swept up in this perfectly calculated pop hit. And at number three, we have Gutterdammerung by Zeal and Ardor. The writing's on the wall and they'll be here today The gods you knew before us are in any way Took a night away They took a night away They took a night away There's just something about German that makes it the perfect language for yelling. This song hits like a ton of bricks, and according to interviews with the band, they absolutely set out to make this one of the most punishing songs in their discography. Its title is a reference both to the end times of North mythology, as well as the destruction of Nazi Germany. Because we're out here to kill gods and Nazis, goddammit. Righteously brutal as ever. And at number two, we have Montero, Call Me By Your Name by Little Nas X. Romantic talking, you don't even have to try. You're cute enough to fuck with me tonight. Looking at the table, all I see is bleeding white. Baby, you live in the life, but nigga, you ain't living right. Cocaine and drinking with your friends. You live in the dark, boy, I cannot pretend. I'm not faced, only you to sin. If you've been in your garden, you know that you can. Call me when you want, call me when you I feel like there's little left to say about Little Nas X. Montero felt like it marked the turning point where he was no longer living under the shadow of Old Town Road. Sure, he'd been turning out decent singles past that point, many of which were really fun, but Montero was a bona fide hit. Even if you strip away the iconic music video and accompanying controversy, this is some exemplary pop songwriting. You got the Spanish guitar intro, compressed hand claps, a hum-along chorus, references to sex and cocaine, and at just a hair over two and a half minutes, it doesn't have time for anything less than the best. And it made abundantly clear that we will be talking about Little Nas X for years to come. And at number one, my favorite song of 2021 is How Not to Drown by Churches featuring Robert Smith. I feel like Robert Smith is 
killing it as far as this very late stage of his illustrious career goes. He recently turned up on the title track for Gorilla's Strange Times album, and here he is again on another fantastic collaboration with a younger band. His voice is instantly recognizable and works as a shorthand for the sort of glum and gothic topics that this song explores, which is not to downplay the vocal presence of lead singer Lauren Mayberry, who is obviously bringing her A-game on a track with such a legend. But what's more interesting to me, and what I think helps make this song such a spectacular collaboration, is the extent to which the two mingle on this track. Oftentimes when you get a featured artist on, you carve out a very particular space for them to occupy within the track, which can often lead to them feeling like a afterthought, existing only within the bridge or the unnecessary third verse of a song. But Robert Smith is here well beyond his appearance on the second verse, working his way into the subsequent chorus passages, as well as the song's extended outro. And unlike many of the songs that have made it onto this list, How Not to Drown is not a short song, and yet it's five and a half minutes breeze by in a haze of glitzy gloom and powerful vocals. Like many of my previous favorite songs of the year, I knew that this was going to be the track to beat pretty much upon hearing it the first time, but as an extra bit of validation, I got together with some friends last fall to play music for one another that we were currently into, and my buddy Austin turned to me after I put this song on, he said, you know, I liked everything else that you played today, but this was better than anything else by leaps and bounds. In general, I liked a lot of the material that came off the same record as this one, and I actually talk about it in the episode prior to this one if you're interested in hearing about what albums I liked from 2021. But with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. If you liked what you heard here, I encourage you to check out more of our episodes, maybe even some of my past year-end reviews. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes under Media Diary Podcast. And as always, thank you for listening to my cruddy opinions.